Get ready to start your new morning ritual with our new sponsor, Mudwater. Coffee is one of America's favorite beverages, with more and more people starting their coffee habits every day with a cup of that flavorful anxiety juice. But let's be real. Have you ever heard anyone say, I'm working on getting more coffee into my life? Millions of people complain about the jitters that come from coffee consumption. Our morning coffee rituals can be habit-forming and, for some people, can make getting a good night's sleep almost impossible. And while nearly all of us like the smell, taste, and ritual of our morning coffee, why not explore eliminating the negative aspects of our morning brew? Well, what if your coffee replacement helped induce alertness, not dependency, improve mental capacity and function, improve physical stamina and performance, improve immunity and overall health. Oh, and by the way, it tastes good enough to drink every single day. Meet Mudwater. Mudwater is your fastest growing coffee alternative in the market, consisting of organic ingredients lauded by cultures both old and young for their health and performance benefits. With one-seventh the caffeine of coffee, Mud gives you the natural energy and focus you expect from coffee, but without the jitters and crash. With an organic blend of mushrooms and ingredients like cacao, marsala chai, turmeric, lion's mane, and more, Mud Water offers a beverage like no other. Whether you want to enjoy it hot, cold, as a latte, or however you take your coffee in the morning, Mud Water is zero sugar, zero crash, zero jitter alternative, sure to leave you feeling recharged and refocused. Listen, I'm really excited to have Mud Water as a sponsor here on The Brian Nichols Show because I've been able to see the Mud Water difference for myself, and you can too, so click the link in the show notes to get some mud, support the show, and get your new morning ritual started right with Mud Water. And now, onto the show. We can become great at doing the the things that we do well, the things that are, we focus on. Like I'm, I think our audience is great at selling liberty. I think we have yeah. been amazing at doing that. Welcome to the Brian Nichols Show, your source for common sense politics on the We Are Libertarians Network. As a sales and marketing executive in the greater telecommunications cybersecurity industry, Brian works with C level executives to help them future proof their company's infrastructure for an uncertain future. And in each episode, Brian takes that experience and applies it to the liberty movement. You start to ask questions that piques interest and get him to feel like, okay, this guy's actually got something that maybe can help me out. And then in your asking of questions and trying to uncover the real problems, build that natural trust. I know I went in the monologue there, man. <laughs> Instead of focusing on simply winning arguments or being right, we're teaching the basic fundamentals of sales and their application in the world of politics, showing you how to ask better questions, tell better stories, and ultimately change people's minds. And now, your host, Brian Nichols. Wednesday there, folks. Brian Nichols here on The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you for joining us again on another, of course, fun-filled episode. But I guess, I don't know what it is about Wednesdays, but we are going to class. And today, we're talking all things nuclear energy. So strap in, put on your thinking caps, and and really just soak in this information. Because Mark Schneider's on the program today, and we're talking all things nuclear energy. Now, I know a lot of questions people have, are nuclear power plants safe? I mean, are they efficient? Are they safe for the environment? I, those are all common questions. And guess what? Today, not only does Mark help go through and address a lot of those concerns, but it actually shows how the advancement of technology has taken those initial objections and has actually turned them into part of the tools needed to help produce clean alternative energy. In this case, using nuclear energy to, to quote one Penn Jillette, and I, I got to pull it up here. I tweeted this the other day. If the stupid hippies hadn't killed nuclear power, we'd have nuclear power plants safer and cheaper than coal-fired plants all over, and electric cars really would be zero emissions. Penn Jillette, back, I think that's a few years back, uh, and my goodness, today on our conversation with Mark Schneider, it really paints the picture how now is a great chance for us to restart 
the narrative. And, and I think it's on us to make sure we are presenting information that does, in fact, set that record straight. So, that being said, on to the show, Mark Schneider here on The Brian Nichols Show. Hey, thanks for having me, Brian. Absolutely, Mark. We're talking about nuclear energy today, and this is a topic I've been getting just tons of people saying, Brian, please, can we can we do an episode focusing on nuclear energy? I've had Alex Epstein on the program. He did his moral case for fossil fuels where we actually we looked at a little bit of nuclear energy. We talked about I'm not sure if you're familiar over on Netflix. Uh, Zach Efron did his down to earth series where he traveled all around the globe. And uh, his first stop was to uh, I forget the, the type of planet was, but it was funny because we didn't even talk about nuclear in the episode. And Zach Efron's dad is a nuclear scientist. <laughs> and uh, and Alex pointed that that was a little weird uh, omission in the, the conversation there talking about al- alternative forms of energy. But yes, nuclear energy. I've heard this brought up time and again. Brian, you need to have somebody in the show to talk about the value of nuclear energy going forward and really to show if people aren't really talking about it, they're not really serious in the conversation for renewable energy going forward. So with that being said, Mark, introduce yourself to the program and what got you so fascinated that you wanted to talk about nuclear energy here on a libertarianish podcast? Um, all right. So, uh, so I, did, I spent 23 years in the nuclear industry. Um, I served in the Navy, uh, on, op, worked on both submarines and aircraft carriers, and then uh, I did three years working for Dominion Energy. And uh, now it's just kind of a hobby. I promote uh, you know, nuclear energy. So that's kind of the quick background on myself. I was an operator. You go through lots and lots of, uh, of training on how nuclear physics works and all that. Um, but the big thing that really started fascinating me um, and my wife is also a nuclear engineer. We have the nerdiest pillow talk on the planet. <laughs> um, but, uh, but oh, that's she, good. What, she's way smarter than me. But you know, we started we talk and, and communicate and discuss things about you know uh, the advanced reactor design systems, right? And so, really, for you know, fun and entertainment, I did a bunch of research and learning about these these advanced designs and how they operate. And some of them are super, super fascinating and super cool. And uh, I, I like, I'm going to bring it right up from the beginning because it's a super awesome design. And that's the, uh, the Aurora, which is by a, a company called Oklo. Uh, this reactor went into licensing, licensing process um, on March 11th, 2020. It's a three-year licensing process. Federal regulation requires a three-year time period. It's arbitrary. It just is. Uh, but it is, um, it's going to run on... Uh, spent nuclear fuel or nuclear waste, as everyone likes to call it, uh, from EBR2, which was a test reactor uh, back in the 1960s that operated into the 80s. So we've got a react, a new brand new reactor design. Um, it's it's a it's a micro reactor, meaning it's small, so it can be built in a factory. So you build most of the components in factories, put it, you know, you do most of your testing, bring it together at the final site, um, assemble modules, uh, do your final testing and then bring the reactor online, which is going to reduce uh, the construction costs and construction times. The, the nuclear industry is actually really good at this. Uh, if you look behind, you see USS Washington. That's a version of a modular reactor. That's nu- a nuclear-powered submarine, and we build them in a factory. The U.S. is turning out a nuclear reactor every six months that way. Um, so, you know, we have the capability of it, but it's primarily on the shipbuilding side. So we can do this, you know, land-based size. The Aurora is a 1.5 megawatt reactor that's about 1,000 homes, and it fits on a quarter acre lot. Quarter acre lot, your standard um, lot of uh, uh, for a, um, 
uh, you know, home, right? Just a standard suburban home is on about, about on a quarter acre. Um, hmm. But the big thing with nuclear energy is nuclear energy does not produce CO2. Um, if, if you're concerned about carbon emissions or, uh, as a greenhouse uh, gas and causing global warming, then this solves that. Uh, nuclear energy produces, by the way, 20% of the power in the United States. It produces about 10% of the power worldwide. Uh, but this new reactor is an advanced design that no one has really you know, thought about uh, as far as going into this small with nuclear uh, for the purposes of you know, producing power. But um, you know, these things are designed to where you basically fuel them once every 20 years. So you put a you know, new reactor core in every 20 years. And that's a relatively simple process with the Aurora reactor design. Um, and that's one of the things that's really fascinating. But the big thing when you talk nuclear energy, I do like to talk about the impact that nuclear has had with renewables. So in 2009, uh, California decided to shut down, uh, it's called Songs to Santa Ofer Nuclear Generating Station down, uh, it was just north of um, uh, San, uh, San Diego in the Southern California area. And that's the day, the year that the uh, the rolling blackouts began in California every summer. And then now we see right now that uh, Governor Cuomo and the mayor of New York City are talking about how uh, New Yorkers need to conserve their electricity in the summer because they're about to have to, or they're going to have to go into rolling blackouts. Well, literally two months ago, they shut down Indian Point uh, Nuclear Power Generating Station. So every time we see we shut down nuclear, um, you see the fact that renewables can't keep up. So they have to, uh, you know, basically use rolling blackouts or that to put, switch over to fossils. And in a lot of cases, it's both. Uh, when New York shut down Indian Point, their carbon emissions spiked by 35% overnight. So that's one of those crazy things when you look at it, that we know nuclear is carbon free and we have evidence of it. And, you know, so we know it can. And but the big thing is getting to the future. But how do we go from these large scale reactors that take a decade to build onto, you know, how quickly can we build these? And when you get into modular construction, that's probably the best way to get there. Wow. That's a lot of notes to start <laughs> off. I, my, so usually my my paper I have here for my trusty notes when I'm going through and trying to recap episodes and, and you know, stay up to date with what we're talking about is, it's usually going to take about 25 minutes to fill a page. I think I have a full page right now in the first five minutes. So that's impressive because you're you're going through and let's kind of start off here from how we approach things at the program through the sales based lens, right? Solutions based selling particularly. And in this uh, in this really way, you've outlined what nuclear is and the impact that nuclear has already and then showing the impact that we know nuclear can have. And you're starting to touch on a lot of. Well, I say a lot of, I say really number one, the number one objection I've seen about nuclear is the safety of, of nuclear, particularly in the waste of nuclear. Not only does this Aurora from Oklahoma run on nuclear waste, but it lasts for 20 years. That's fa like fascinating. That's incredible that, that the technology is to the point now where one of the main objections that I remember hearing is now being resoundingly answered. So I'd say, number one, that's a great way to overcome that objection. But let's be real, Mark. There's going to be folks out there who are going to be fighting tooth and nail against nuclear. So what are some of those common attacks that you hear from folks who say, no, nuclear is not the way to go? What's their argument? Uh, there are, so, so the arguments usually come into nouns. and those two, It's two nouns. 
uh, and it's Chernobyl and Fukushima because of the accidents. Um, Chernobyl was terrible, killed 51 people. Uh, you know, you have the area of Priapit that is now an exclusion zone. Uh, Fukushima, we melted down three reactors, destroyed a total of four. Um, and I say we because I own that as part of the industry, right? I use we in this and then I'm going to own, own my failures. But we have to look at it. Those were, you know, 1960s design reactors. Um, and Chernobyl is the big one. What about Chernobyl? I said, well, Chernobyl didn't have a containment structure. So the containment, if it had one, it would have worked as design. It would have kept, you know, uh, the explosion that occurred because they had a steam explosion. And then with Fukushima, if we'd have let the, you know, if we'd have let the operators of, at TEPCO, the Tokyo Electric Power Company, if we'd have let them actually do their job and not require the government to say yes to a bunch of things, those reactors wouldn't have exploded. Time out. Explain that. I'm curious. What do you mean the government not letting them do their jobs. What did the government do in Fukushima there not letting them do their jobs that could have prevented it? So um, when in the United States, the shift manager can release uh, radioactive gases into the atmosphere uh, because they have the, the health and safety of the public at the forefront. They don't have to ask permission. They're going to do it and the government's going to respond based on the way the plant operates. That's how the U.S. does it. In Japan, in order to do that, they have to get permission from government entities. And so they didn't get the permission to vent off the gas. And because the reactor was generating a bunch of hydrogen gas, it built up and you basically had four little mini Hindenburg, well, actually macro Hindenburg explosions, right? So you have four hydrogen gas explosions. Casual, no big deal. Thanks yeah. government. Isn't yeah, government so, great? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt your train of thought, but I thought no, that was that, important to make sure we focused on. That's great. And then the other government intervention with, with the, uh, both those events is that, you know, they have for these forced evacuations, right? They have got themselves and the public so afraid of radiation that you can't be anywhere near it. Radiation is bad. Radiation is bad. But there's a band. There's actual studies that say that if you don't get enough radiation, you will actually die of cancer at higher rates than people who do receive radiation, right? Your body has to develop a defense mechanisms against those cancer cells that are produced in your body, you just don't, you have to find that right band. Um, and I'll tell you, the airline industry actually has higher rates of cancer due to radiation exposure than the nuclear industry does. Because pilots fly, they get a lot of solar radiation. Um, so, but it's natural, right? We always hear, well, it's natural, it's natural. Well, you know what? Cyanide is natural too, but I'm not gonna go around, you know, inhaling a bunch of cyanide. Right. So we have to understand that just because it's natural doesn't mean it's good for you. Um, so an understanding of the different aspects, you know, of how radiation works and all that. I've gone way into my train of thought. So I, I want to steer me back where I need yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no. So we'll we'll go back because the common objections, right? You start to touch on okay. the first being Chernobyl, Fukushima. So those yeah. being tossed out. And then you started talking about more the radiation being bad. What other objections do you you see uh, going through the uh, the industry in terms of people standing against nuclear energy? So uh, the other one is uh, is cost, and we've already discussed that with the modular construction, right? So once you get modular construction, it it, it, it drops the price, and we know it drops the price. We've seen it um, in the industry. It's just no one wants to listen to the fact that we do it on on submarines all the time. Um, and then the big one, like we talked about, is the waste. And a lot of people, because the waste lasts a long time, right, but it's highly controlled. Nuclear waste has killed exactly zero people on planet Earth, right? And people don't realize that. You can walk up to a 
you could go um, up to the uh, the Trojan power station, what's left of it, right? Trojan shut down in the 90s. And they're, literally all that's left is the switchyard and the casks that contain the nuclear waste, the spent nuclear fuel that Oklo can run on. And you could walk up and hug those things and no problem, right? It's what you get, you got to pull these things apart. They're difficult to pull apart, you know? So, and the ways to get talked about terrorism. And I'm like, you know what? If I'm a terrorist, I'm not going to a nuclear site to get the waste. I'm going to a hospital to get um, radiation therapy treatments, right? Radiotherapy treatments because there's less security. It's easier to handle. It's portable. It's designed to be portable. Nuclear waste is not designed to be portable. It's designed to be the opposite of portable. So that's the other thing. And the other thing, well, it's going to stack up the quantity of it. So again, we talked about time, you know, the, the, how, how big they are or how much waste they generate. We haven't talked about the fuel density, right? A gummy bear of uranium contains as much energy as a ton of coal, right? So a giant mound of coal, like, like three rail cars worth of coal, it, and I might have the numbers off here, is, is equal to one gummy bear. Your lifetime in a traditional nuclear reactor can be powered off of one soda cans worth of uranium. But if we switch to advanced reactor designs, you can power 20 lifetimes off of that one soda can of uranium because we're using all the energy instead of just 5% of the energy. So, and it's very dense. When you look at that submarine behind me, it operates for 33 years and the nuclear waste from it will fit in a 55 gallon trash can. So, huh. yeah. Interesting. Okay. So now folks, we've heard, we have the product. It is nuclear to the problem. We see folks out there, number one, energy, the energy crisis. Number two, climate change. So let's focus on those problems right now. Right, now, We're offering the solution. We hear the objections. So now we know what to prepare for to overcome them. So let's focus on the positive outcomes. We're selling this to your average person. They're a little weary of nuclear because they've heard these objections throughout all of their life, pretty much. They've, you know, they've watched the documentaries of the mutants from, from Chernobyl, right? Wasn't that documentary or a mockumentary? That's right. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, so when you're, you're selling to folks, it's an, I would always argue it's important to help show that better future. So I'd say, Mark, let's give you the magic wand. You're, you're helping us sell this to your average person, what would that magic future look like for folks if we did embrace this as a solution? So um, that magic future would actually look a lot like France or Ontario, Canada. And they're very similar, right? Uh, in geographic size, not necessarily population, but also an energy mixture, right? So um, France is 70% uh, nuclear, 25% hydro, and 5% others. And they have 5% carbon emissions in their electrical grid. Uh, Ontario is about equivalent to that. And when you compare that to Germany, which is, by the way, the most carbon emitting nation in Europe, which is basically embraced renewable energy, right? You can look and you can see the, the comparison of the two. You can basically remove all this, um, you know, all these pollutants you're putting in the atmosphere from uh, fossil fuels. But the other thing when you're looking at uh, nuclear energy um, is that nuclear energy actually has a great safety record. If you look at uh, the amount of deaths per unit of energy, nuclear has the lowest except for 
solar farms, right? And that's including Chernobyl. Wow. If you exclude Chernobyl, it becomes the lowest by a long shot. And part of that is the way the industry works. You have a government regulator, and, and you know, we can, there are pros and cons to using the government in this. We have a government regulator that basically sits at the site, making sure that the operator or ensuring that the plant is following their safety protocols. They're using, you know, all the, you know, meeting, you know, not just, not just the nuclear aspect, but safety aspect, right? The number one killer of uh, people in the wind and, wind and solar industry are falls, right? They're not wearing their proper safety gear. The, the United Kingdom is killing a person a month off of wind turbines alone, right? Whereas the nuclear industry, it's, you know, I don't like talking about the death rate because this is a scary thing. But the fact is the nuclear industry strives to actually get that to zero, whereas wind and solar's death is ramping up. In the United States, uh, roofers, you know, the roofing industry has seen a 15% increase in deaths due to rooftop solar installation, right? So the fact is, is that when you look at wind and solar, they're not the safe things that everyone wants to talk about. They're actually extremely dangerous because they're not very regulated. They don't have someone going around and watching them do that. Because half the time you go out to a wind farm, I have friends that they they work they they got out of the navy and went and worked in the wind wind industry because the pay is great, but they're climbing up on these three you know hundred six hundred foot tall wind turbines by themselves. There's no one within miles of them. If they don't put their fall harness on, it's on them. But if you work at a nuclear plant, right, you've got other people around you, and I having done it right, I had to wear a fall harness. And you did not dare walk up a ladder that required or, or an area that didn't require a fall harness without having that on out of risk of losing your job, right? So the fact is, or getting, and as a company, getting a fine by the regulator, right? So the fact is, is the nuclear industry has embraced regulation to a point of ensuring that safety is paramount in, you know, the idea of producing energy. Can I play devil's advocate now about regulation? Absolutely. Because back to your original point about the cost of regulation, you, you you use Japan specifically. Is that maybe a threat, a looming threat? If we were to do our SWOT analysis of nuclear energy, one of those threats coming down the road was as nuclear energy becomes more and more prevalent, that that would incentivize more regulation that could lead to more disasters like Fukushima? So um, when you look at the advanced the advances in reactor technologies that can be installed in current reactor systems. Um, and that we're, we're testing, the United, the United States is testing this stuff and Russia and China are testing a lot of these things. Uh, there are fuel designs that basically would have, uh, that if they were, in, that exist today that are in the final phases of te in commercial testing, that if you went, you put that fuel design into the reactors at Fukushima, like let's say we could go back in time to, to March 10th, 2011, if you stuck all those uh, that fuel into those reactors, they may have melted down because of a lock, lo loss of cooling, but they would not have generated any hydrogen gas. So you would have not had the explosions. So just with technologies that we have today that are that are just almost down the line that are that are being installed, final phases to be mass used, we're seeing an improved in safety. And then when you get to the designs like the Aurora, the Aurora actually uh, has safety features that prevent it from being able to melt down. And the United States proved this with the, uh, the EBR2 reactor, actually. Uh, the EBR2 reactor, they showed that they could shut down, gave it a 
worse than Fukushima scenario, it shut itself down, went to a hot idle state and stayed there till they decided to bring it back online. So with when you change the designs of reactors uh, going away from water as your cooling, you actually develop a better safety margin. And that's one of the big arguments, the anti, you know, advanced nuclear architect, well, but what about sodium? Sodium's explosive. And I'm like, well, yeah, okay, liquid sodium is explosive if it gets in contact with water, but you put nitrogen blankets on these things and it's, it's really not, there's actually never been an issue of a sodium explosion at a nuclear power plant. And by the way, Russia operates several of these on their submarines and they have large scale commercial reactors that operate using sodium cooling. You just haven't had them get tested against aliens, have you, Mark? Uh, you know, aliens or um, I, I like to think of velociraptors with freaking laser beams on their forehead. Like that's that's either that's, way. That's the, yeah, that's that's the big thing. Um, you know, uh, there, there's there's a famous article, this nuclear famous article talking about, you know, what happens if you were to, you know, breach a nuclear power plant and, you know, try to swim down to touch the uh the, or what would happen to your body if you were to swim into the spent fuel pool where the where the spent fuel is is stored until it's into long term storage? And it talks about the effects of the radiation. But the very last line of the article says, "But don't worry, you wouldn't make it uh, past the first two feet uh, before your 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 blood basically filled the the top of the pool as you were you know riddled with bullets from the security guards." Ah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, so. Let's do this. We're we're wrapping up. We're we've already painted the the better picture, but let's outline an objective timeline because I think this is where people sometimes are like, "This sounds great." Will I ever see this actually happen? You're talking about the Aurora. It's it's actually out there. It's a product that is now going into production. We're seeing it being embraced. So, what's the timeline look for this nuclear future? Is this something we're going to see five, ten, fifteen years, Mark? So uh, right now, it's looking like uh, spring of 2023 that, uh, that uh, Oak Glow should be breaking ground on their, their first Aurora in Idaho um, in yeah, spring of 2023. Also, another company, New Scale, does uh, a, a, a more advanced design of a traditional reactor that's modular, smaller um, than the current large-scale reactors. And they've got a 12-unit facility that they're going to break, also in Idaho, they're going to break ground on. Um, as well, right around that same time frame. Uh, Wyoming is in the process of changing legislation and uh, working to, uh, with TerraPower to build a test reactor design there. Um, there are three, three other government sites that are selected for advanced reactor designs. Um, the Russians broke ground and are building a, uh, a brand new fast reactor that's going to run on nuclear waste out... Um, in uh, I think it's in more of the central area of Russia. I don't know specifically. The Chinese have several advanced designs that they are working on right now. So as a you know, when you look at the timeline, this stuff is here now under construction, and it's rapidly uh, coming to the forefront. We see lots and lots of companies that are pushing forward, developing agreements. Um, last I heard, New Scale has agreements like twelve different countries uh, to build nuclear reactors in nations like South Africa, Poland, Ukraine, um, United States, maybe Canada, maybe the United Kingdom. So they're, they're looking, they're, their first 12-unit facility is going to break ground, but they're looking in the next decade, potentially like two to 300 of their uh, 75 megawatt units. So, whoa. So really quick, what, what, 
just, I know we're getting short in time, but like, what is this going to look like? What will this do? I mean, is this going to be like if Tesla got his way in the early 1900s, like going forward, like the world would be, you know, floating cars right now. Is that kind of at the point where we're at where if we get this nuclear energy changing the way that we look at energy that, I mean, goodness, the sky's the limit. Yes, the sky is the limit. And when you're looking at the amount of energy that we have available to us, right, you know, everyone talks about, you know, how fuel is going to run out and all that. It's like right now, I think there's enough in a available uranium reserve for like 80 years. That's without, you know, uh, sourcing new uranium. Um, and that's that's just using our current light water reactor designs. Right. You they only use they use actually 0.7 percent of the uranium. And so you multiply that times basically 140. 30 or something like that. So now you've taken 80 times 130 and that's, you know, that's not even excluding what we have is other waste products that uh, is depleted uranium uses like tank bullets and stuff like that and armor uh, that we could then use as, uh, as fuel. And then you get into thorium, right? I'm gonna give you a little bit of touch on thorium. So you don't get, you know, too much beat up on, on that. But uh, when you get into thorium now we're, you know, so we have like 80 to like, you know, centuries, we're probably into the thousands of years and then thorium extends it into like, you know, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of years, potentially we have up to a million years of viable energy on planet earth in the form of nuclear energy. Wow. That's pretty darn cool. Well, how about that folks? That's a, that's a call to action right there. Ever heard one explore this as a solution. And we have a million years worth of energy right here on good old planet earth. You don't need to go to Mars or wherever it is that Elon's going to go in the future. So with that being said, Mark, obviously we want to make sure we're able to continue this conversation with folks, because this is something that I'm excited to, to learn more about, especially as we are heading towards that time for, for Aurora 2023. That's right around the corner, folks, believe it or not, it's less than a year and a half away. So with that being said, Mark, uh, where can folks go ahead, follow you, support the work you're doing? And obviously you want to go ahead and learn more. Um, yeah. So you can find me uh, on Twitter. My Twitter handle is at sub Schneider as a sub is in submarine. And my last name Schneider. Um, I like to make it simple. Um, you know, keep it simple, stupid. That's what they taught me in the Navy. So um but uh, yeah, that's that's kind of the biggest thing, uh, you know. And I, I just kind of advocate. I, 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 you know, I go in and out of advocating for it just because I get busy in my life. I have six kids. I work full time. I'm going to college right now too. So, you know, it's you know, I've got a busy life. So sometimes I just got I can't I, I can't do this hobbies as much. But uh, six kids, yeah, you were busy. No kidding yeah. there, Mark. <laughs> <laughs> well, Mark, thank you so much. We'll make sure we include all your links there in the show notes, folks. If you want to go ahead and continue the conversation, head over to the show notes, click the links there. And of course, with that being said, Mark Schneider, thanks for joining us on today's episode of The Brian Nichols Show. Thank you so much. You've heard the name Ebels, but now you need to remember My Delta 8. From the same people who brought you Ebels, My Delta 8 is Delta 8 THC, offering a semi-sedative physical sensation without the overwhelming mental simulation of Delta 9 THC, resulting in a smoother, much milder experience. Both Ebels and My Delta 8 offer both best quality product and customer service in the industry. From helping manage chronic pain, anxiety, depression, and more, the reviews are in, folks. Both Ebels and My Delta 
8 are truly game changers as a natural alternative to big pharma drugs. And hey, yours truly here at the Brian Nichols Show can vouch for the quality of Ebels and my Delta 8 having to deal with a herniated disc in my back, plus years of sports injuries. Ebels and my Delta 8 offer relief where generic medicines simply mask the pain. And did you know you can get Ebels and my Delta 8 delivered right to your door at a special discounted price? That's right. All members of the Brian Nichols Show audience can use promo code TBNS at checkout and boom, discount applied. Again, that's code TBNS at checkout to get the highest quality CBD and Delta 8 THC on the market delivered right to your door. One more time, the code is TBNS at checkout. Alrighty, folks, that's going to wrap up my conversation with Mark Schneider. Thank you, Mark, for joining the program. And I, I dare say nuclear energy is going to be a conversation that we can lead by example, offering solutions to the problems we see out there. And, and yes, it is a great chance for us to answer those questions that people are asking. Is nuclear energy safe? What do we do about nuclear waste? What about those disasters like Fukushima and uh, and Chernobyl? So it's a great chance for us to make sure, number one, we are showing that this is a viable solution. But yes, using this episode as a means to overcome the objections we hear every single day. So please do me a favor, share today's episode. Make sure you go ahead and tag Mark and tag yours truly at B Nichols Liberty, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok. Also, if you really enjoy the episode, please head to BrianNicholsShow.com. Give us a five-star rating and review. You guys have been great, by the way. I think we got like seven reviews in the past four days, so keep that up, by the way. Um, so thank you for that. Uh, so tell us, what value do you get from the program we would love to hear about it, as would the other folks. Again, BrianNicholsShow.com forward slash reviews. Coming up next week. Next week. What? Where's time going? Revolution 21, Young Americans for Liberty, heading down to Orlando, Florida. I will be down there the 5th through the 7th on Media Row, having conversations with movers and shakers in the greater liberty movement. And if you're going to be attending, please do me a favor. Stop by the Brian Nichols Show booth, get a picture, and of course, go ahead and order some awesome swag from Proud Libertarian. Everything that you hear here on the Brian Nichols Show is going to be available for you to, to purchase right there um, on our little iPad. So again, head down to a Revolution 21 if you're going to be attending. Stop by the Brian Nichols Show booth. But yes, Proud Libertarian, I hinted at that. We are so excited to have this amazing sponsorship and partnership with Proud Libertarian here at the Brian Nichols Show. BrianNicholsShow.com forward slash shop. And we have so much amazing stuff in the shop from our Freedom is Nature slash Freedom is Science um, swag like la- uh, laptop cases and uh, stainless steel water bottles. We also have our amazing uh, Cool Mask Bro. I love that one. Cool Mask Bro uh, bumper stickers. What else do we have? Uh, we have our, our Question Everything t-shirts, our Alexa Overthrow the Government um, t-shirts, and, and of course our, our classic Don't Hurt People and Don't Take People's Stuff bumper sticker. You can get that over at Proud Libertarians uh, shop there at BrianNicholsShow.com forward slash shop. Use code TBNS, of course, for 10% off at the Brian Nichols Show shop, as well as everything else at Proud Libertarian. But also, you can get this amazing Don't Hurt People and Don't Take People Stuff bumper sticker if you sign up to be one of our amazing Patreon supporters. And how do you do that? $5, $10 a month. You'll be entered to uh, become one of our amazing supporting listeners. And and what do you get when you become a supporting listener? Number one, of course, you get the the bumper sticker. But number two, access to Chris Goizetta, marketing professor's entire resource of courses that he has been teaching quite literally as a professor in college, teaching marketing. Jeremy Todd has been working on his uh, masterclass to how to be 
be the best salesperson for Liberty possible. And of course, you get one-on-ones with yours truly. We're actually going to be doing our first one coming up here on Monday, live with the Patreon listeners. Uh, now, if you want to get your questions, of course, you can email me, brian at briannicholshow.com, or uh, go ahead and shoot me a DM. DMs are open on Twitter, at B Nichols Liberty. But if you want to be a part of that conversation, an active part of the conversation, Monday, it's going to be live for our Patreon uh, listeners, or our Patreon supporters. So if you are one of these amazing people, and I'm going to go ahead ahead and uh, pull this up here and it's going to start with uh, number one I, I i can't thank enough the people who have gone out of their way to support the program um it, it's how we are able to to reach more people how we're able to spread the message of liberty so thank you to daryl schmitz laura stanley michael lemma mitchell mankowitz hody johns craig DeCosta, and the greater we are libertarians channel thank you for everything you guys do to help keep the lights on here quite literally but also help us uh, be able to reach more people yes where they are at as we know our audience and show them that yes libertarian solutions can help make their lives better make our world better so uh, with that being said uh, one final plug yes the sound mind creative group i i adore these guys they are, are fighting the good fight and that is helping set the narrative straight that these lockdowns have been abysmal that the the, the quote-unquote follow the science crowd has not been following the science but it's been more following these government bureaucrats by the way new t-shirt over in the shop it's a uh, stop listening to government bureaucrats i, I love that shirt uh, again briannicholshow.com forward slash shop but Soundline Creative Group, if you are a liberty podcaster, conservative podcaster, I don't care. If you are pro-liberty, that's what I want to talk about. If you are against the lockdowns and you want to have a conversation with the, the creators of the amazing docu-series, follow the science on liberty and lockdowns, shoot me an email, brian at briannicholshow.com. Yours truly and Chris Goyzetta are helping the amazing team out there uh, to get them on these amazing podcasts. So again, reach out. I would love to uh, to go ahead and make the introduction and we will get them on your program. That's all I have for you this week. Uh, this week, <laughs> my goodness, it's been a long week and we're recording here. It's a Tuesday night. So strap in. You know what you have in store for you on Friday. And it's a weird episode. I, I, I'm going to start off. It's not your traditional Brian Nichols show episode. What started off as originally it was supposed to be a conversation about a variety of topics kind of turned into a monologue from the guest, Michael Johns, uh, going through really his, um, it's almost like a Forrest Gump approach to conservative politics and and you'll hear why because michael has pretty much had some role in the conservative world in very major public policy for well over 30 40 years at this point so you get to hear his really in-depth perspective being there in person really helping make a lot of the decisions now warning if you're a libertarian or a liberty advocate here and you're and you're more the libertarian camp you're going to hear a lot of stuff that Michael's going to be promoting and you're going to be like, oh my goodness. And don't worry, that's not the point of the episode. The more so, the point of Friday's episode is for us to be able to really uh, see how the conservative machine works and how the mindset works. One thing you're going to hear with Michael's conversation, uh, my Michael's discussion with himself, uh, it, it is it turned into the, this one kind of overarching conversation uh, that he kind of just kept on going with, which I wanted to let him just keep going with because he was just giving out nugget after nugget. But you hear policy that the conservative institutions talk about more often than not ended up being based on what other policy thinkers were talking about. And there's one very telling moment. And it's sometimes so great when you're a sales guy, you just, you shut up. And honestly, I probably spoke for 5% of Friday's episode. Um, 
where he says 100% that libertarian ideas are the answer. They work, but they just really haven't been put into action for a variety of reasons. And he leaves it at that. But that was telling because that's, that speaks to me that a conservative who, as you're going to hear, espouses extremely, I would say, more of the Tucker Carlson approach to governance, um, that he is much more empathetic to libertarian ideas if he was actually able to see them in action working. And that's why we d- we're doing what we're doing here at The Brian Nichols Show. So strap in. Monday's episode, Michael Johns, he has been involved in so many different areas of politics. Strap uh, strap in for that episode, by the way, folks. It's, it's, again, it's going to be a little different, but nevertheless, you will leave the uh, episode definitely educated, enlightened, and informed. So with that being said, thank you for joining us on our amazing Wednesday episode here, talking all things nuclear energy. But with that being said, it's Brian Nichols signing off on The Brian Nichols Show for Mark Schneider. We'll see you Friday. Thanks for listening to The Brian Nichols Show. Find more episodes at briannicholsshow.com. Have you checked out the new Brian Nichols Show collection over at Proud Libertarian? Head to briannicholsshow.com forward slash shop and you can grab some amazing Liberty swag that will definitely help pique some interest from our good ideas don't require force snapbacks, Alexa overthrow the government t-shirts, question everything mugs, and of course our ever popular don't hurt people, don't take people's stuff bumper sticker. The Brian Nichols Show shop over at Proud Libertarian has all the Liberty swag you need. And hey, if you're looking for more awesome Liberty apparel check out the rest of the amazing proud libertarian store while you're over there and be sure to use code tbns at checkout to get 10 percent off your entire order that's right 10 percent off your entire order from proud libertarian including everything over at the brian nichols show shop and all you have to use is code tbns at checkout one more time head to brian forward slash shop and check out the brand new brian nichols show store over at proud libertarian and use code tbns at checkout for 10 percent off your entire order. Audio production for The Brian Nichols Show is brought to you by DB Podcast Audio. Learn more by emailing inquiries to william at dbpodaudio.com.